The primary purpose of the matter over mind experience is to educate. It doesn't constitute advice or services. Before making any changes, please consult a medical or dietary professional. Nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So, take a seat and enjoy the ride. Welcome to another episode of the Matter Over Mind Experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. And I have an interview today that I've been excited and really waiting on to record. I have Lisa, and by the way, I know her pretty well, but I still cannot pronounce her last name, so I'll leave that <laughs> up to her, right? But she's a registered dietitian, and she's the author of the Core 3 Healthy Eating Plan. Fantastic information. We're going to talk about it more as, as we get into the episode. But in today's episode, we're going to talk about of course, healthy eating, reasons for sugar cravings, hidden words for sugar. And that's what you need to pay attention to, hidden words for sugar. Oh, you're going to get some good information when we get to that topic. And of course, we have a hack of the episode, her favorite healthy eating hack. I said that wrong completely. Her favorite healthy eating hack. I'm having a hard time with that. I was going we all, there, we knew what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? Maybe it's a Jamaican accent getting in the way or something. But with that being said, let's welcome Lisa to the show. Hey, Lisa, how are you doing Thank today? Thank you. Good. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And yes, my last name is a doozy. It's Moskowitz. So you could only imagine how it's spelled. It's, it's even more complicated, but thank you so much. That was a fantastic intro. I try. I try. I, <laughs> do I rehearse it? I don't know. <laughs> I let everybody else Seems try like to it. figure that out on their own, figure that out on their own, right? Maybe I'm just yeah. that good. But with that, Lisa, Lisa, tell my audience about yourself. Thank you. Yep. So I am a registered dietitian in New York City and the CEO of New York Nutrition Group as well. So I mostly spend my time in private practice counseling one-on-one. Uh, so I, of course, observe firsthand a lot of what people struggle with when it comes to healthy eating, uh, a lot of the obstacles and um and also a lot of what people need and look for and want and what find what they find helpful for them so uh through my years of counseling i started to piece together an approach that i believe is really bridging the gap between people who want to lose weight or have some kind of structured plan but also need to work on their relationship with food and want to get out of that cycle of all or nothing with food. The ones who are like, I'm really good during the week. And then the weekends, it just everything unravels. And I have my good days and my bad days and my cheat days. So, you know, that black and white, all or nothing thinking, it really is a trap. And I, I do see that so often. And so that's a lot of what I help people with is to find some, an approach that's more balanced and sustainable and just something that is, stable in general. And so throughout my years 
counseling. I, uh, the core three healthy eating plan was born and I wrote my first book and got it published early last year. And again, it's intent. The intention is to help people who want to both lose weight or have just some idea or structure around food and eating, but also who struggle with, with poor relationship with food or distorted thinking around food, or, you know, they just have a lot of food rules or guilt, you know, after eating, oh my God, why did I eat that cake? That's so bad. And, you know, and, and I, and we know that negative thoughts breed more negative thoughts. And it's just another cycle that people get really sucked up in and caught up in. And it's really hard to break that cycle. It really is. And there's a lot when it comes to healthy eating that we just mm -hmm. don't know. And you know, that old saying, right, Lisa, where if, if, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. If oh, yeah. eating healthy was easy, everybody would be doing it. Yeah. But it's not, but it's like, I've heard people, I've heard people say, you know, I know what to do. I just don't do it. But there's a reason why you don't do it. Cause it's yeah, not that easy. Go. Most people and, know right, what healthy eating is. They have an idea, but it's, it, they find it hard to, to execute. Right. And that's the thing too. They have an idea. I don't think they really yeah. know because in today's yeah. society, you go on TikTok, you go on Instagram. I'm on both of those platforms, but sometimes they get on my nerves because you hear somebody who's uh, pushing the carnivore diet. You got somebody over here pushing the keto diet. You got somebody over here pushing the vegan diet. And it just really becomes confusing because I've had people reach out to me and say, what do you think about this diet? And I'm like, well, I can't really answer that question because I don't know anything about you. Mm -hmm. I don't know about your ancestral mm -hmm. background. I don't know how you've been eating in the last 10, 15 years or so. I don't know what your life is like. I don't know if you're overweight. I, there's nothing I don't know because, mm -hmm. and Lisa, I'm sure you know this, the, the type diets can be used in, temp in temporary situations to help certain things. And I certainly did that in my life with reversing my asthma, a lot of my health issues by using certain diets as certain tools. The issue is that we get into that all of nothing mindset of saying, you know what? My aunt Sally or my uncle James lost so much weight in keto. I'm just, I've never eaten this much protein a day in my life or fat a day in my life. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go on keto because I need to lose a lot of weight. And then there's some possible health issues that might come with that. Same if you were to say, you know, what? I'm just going to go vegan for the rest of my life. There are possible health issues yeah. that may come with that. And yes. that's why it's important to work with an expert and more people, should, especially if you struggle to lose weight, should mm -hmm. work with a nutritionist or a dietitian. Go ahead, Lisa. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I, and I agree with you. Right? You have to respect the bio-individuality and that something that's healthy for one person can actually be harmful for another person. And people don't realize that. And these fad diets, you know, they really are built on, on a one-size-fits-all framework. You know, it's not personalized. It's, doesn't, it's not individualized. And everyone is different. Some people will say they go on the keto diet and yes, they're eating more saturated fat and meat, but their cholesterol goes down because their blood sugar is going down and all these other cascade of events are helping them. And then other people will say it goes through the roof. Their bad cholesterol, their LDL is through the roof. So that's just right there, a classic example of how there are no two people exactly alike. And that's why we can't prescribe diets that are exactly the same for everybody and expected to help. And when it comes to healthy eating in general, like you had said before, these issues that you have with eating didn't happen overnight. It's not like you woke up one day and all of a sudden you were just eating a lot of fast food. And I know that's, you know, a big stereotype, but just, you know, what an unhealthy diet looks like, but just, you know, just didn't have these healthy habits and you weren't cooking and you weren't exercising. That didn't happen overnight. So to jump into a plan you know, and do a complete 180 and expect to 
sustain something overnight or see results overnight is just not realistic. It does, it's, it's just not going to happen. You have to give yourself a chance. You have to give, be patient with yourself because habits and behaviors, the ones that really last, they take time. It takes time to build that up and get used to cooking and used to exercising and enjoying doing both and actually finding the reward in it. Cause there is a reward in it, but it's not going to happen overnight. And from the biological piece, you may not have the right gut enzymes to eat the new food that you're trying to eat or enough of those yep. enzymes. Like yep. if you move from a low protein to a high protein diet, you may be yeah. lacking in protease and so on and so forth. So yep. working with a with a dietitian or with a nutritionist can really help you to get over that because yeah. uh, it's not just about trying to build out the habits. It's about your body being able to respond to what you, the new, your new way of eating or quote unquote diet is going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. And your, your body is, is the boss, you know, your body, you know, your body better than anyone. I can't tell you exactly what your body needs. And I can't tell you, you know, exactly what your body is, choose it's sending and what it's telling you when. So you are the only one that is able to do that. But working with a professional can really help you navigate that a little bit better. And they can also educate you on like a direction to move in because there is so much noise and you go online and there's everybody has an opinion and everyone believes that their opinion is fact and it's all ridiculous. Anybody that speaks so matter-of-factly about specifically nutrition is, I think, a red flag because we can't say for sure that any one thing is the best thing to do for everybody. So you're, you are the boss of your body and the body is, your body is the boss of the whole show. So we need to make that connection. And, but at the same time, you might be lost. Like the cues about just being hungry, the saying like hunger and fullness, right? Those are just innate cues. We're born with them. We come into this earth having that ability to, to know when we're hungry and when we're full. But as we get older, we suppress that, especially if you've been on diets and you're told only eat this amount and only eat at these times. You teach yourself to deny and ignore and suppress. And it takes time to practice that skill and list, be able to listen and hear that cue. And a lot of people still might find they continue to struggle with knowing when they've had enough to eat because they're so used to relying on a diet plan or someone to tell them like, you should only have one cup of starch and four ounces of protein and this amount of oil and this. And so they've just completely abandoned, you know, the ability to say, you know what, I'm actually full with less or, you know what, this was good, but I think my body, I think I need a little bit more. This didn't really do it for me. And that's the hardest thing is knowing when, when that you're finished with the meal and when you, when you feel satisfied. And so with, you know, it's interesting you say that too. I just unfollowed some people on Instagram who are yeah. like diehard carnivores. Again, not yeah. saying the carnivore diet is bad. And there are times I do ascribe it, ascribe to it and I do use yeah. it for myself and my clients. But they, the, the way they were selling the carnivore diet was just way over the top. And I think can be yeah. really dangerous. So I decided yeah. I don't want to associate myself with those accounts. But with that being said, Lisa, let's talk about your book. Right. Yeah. Um, what what topics do you do you discuss in your books? In your yeah, book? for sure. So it's divided into three parts. The first part goes into body image, relationship with food. The relationship with food chapter goes through these four eating archetypes 
and kind of outlines the four most common common eating personalities that I've observed in my practice with people. And a lot of people might identify with more than one, but there's the erratic eater, somebody who might not eat under stress. They might not do a great job at listening to their hunger cues and skip meals. And some people, sometimes they only have one meal a day. It's just food is just like an afterthought. It's not a priority, especially when they're stressed out. Then you have the dependent eater. The dependent eater is kind of the opposite. They eat, do more emotional eating, more stress eating. Food is a very big focal point. They can almost think about what they're having for dinner before they finish breakfast. Uh, then we have our judgmental eater. Our judgmental eater is a cereal dieter. They've been in so many diets. They have so many food rules in their head telling them this is good and this is bad. And they're just judging food choices. They're judging themselves. There's a good way to eat and a bad way to eat. And they really do struggle with, with trusting their body, with being able to listen to their body. They definitely struggle with the all or nothing mindset with food. I'm having a good day or a bad day. And if I'm having a good day, but I have one thing that's not on the plan or a piece of chocolate or a French fry, I already... I already did it. I might as well keep going. I already ate that bad food. I might as well keep going and double down on this. So, and then we have our obsessive eater. Now this is the type of distorted eating pattern that most closely resembles or is at risk for a full-blown eating disorder where they're like super obsessive with what they eat. They're counting all the calories. They're looking at all the labels. They're spending so much time worrying about food, about weight. Um, and they have often have very poor body image. And the reason I put that in the book is because anytime I think there is a book about weight loss, the low-hanging fruit are the ones that might struggle with the relationship with food more. And it's so it's, I was very careful to say, if this is you, you might want to, seek professional help before continuing through the book because it might only add to the noise, make things more difficult, and it could actually be more harmful unless you've worked through a healthier relationship with food. So I do give people tips on how to improve it. But with an obsessive eater, it's a little bit of like drawing the line. Then we go into the actual plan. So I, the chapters are divided up into the three major core three macros which is nothing new. We're not reinventing the wheel, but I break it down so people understand what macros are, what to look for in each category. You have carbs, protein, and fat. Which carbs, proteins, and fats are more beneficial for me? How choosing certain ones will uh, you know, give you an advantage? Like if you pick higher fiber carbs, not only is that good for your gut health, but they break down more slowly. They keep your blood sugar more stable. And I go into more of that. I give people portions. And so that I teach a little portion awareness so people understand what is a portion of this? I'm completely lost. I have no idea how much I should eat. I've never been able to tell. And that's a lot of people. I need just like some guidance while I'm working through that. So I offer that guidance under the assumption or hope that they're going to continue to like listen, work on listening to their body instead of relying on a, you know, me who I don't, and like you said, I don't know who's reading the book all the time. So I am very sensitive to that. Uh, and then, so there's a lot of food lists and there's also a formula and the formula allows whoever's reading the book to enter in um, their, or you're not entering it like it's a computer, but you know, think about what their height is, their weight is, their activity levels are, their goals are, um, their gender. And from there, it will tell them 
approximately how many servings of carbs, proteins, and fats are going to be beneficial for them. So if the goal is weight loss, it gives them an idea there. If the goal is weight gain, it gives them an idea there. If they're very active, that'll it'll be adjusted in, to account for the activity level. And then we go into, in the third part, behavioral change and really how to take these, you know, all this information that you have and get it off the ground. So I give people more um, ideas on how to track progress and what to do if they're not noticing progress and ways that they can, you know, prepare themselves for certain situations and make it more sustainable. And then there's 50 recipes that I took a lot of time putting together and they're all original recipes um, that are also in the book that so that people can start to cook more at home if that's something they want to do because it does it is it is a healthy habit to cook at least sometimes at home. So I also include recipes and then you know that's pretty much it. So it, it there's a lot of information packed into the book. It's not like a quick beach read that you're going to get through in a minute. Um it's something that I really wrote as a guide and a reference that people could say you know what, I just want to understand more about healthy eating and I want to know more like scientific principles and evidence-based information um and just the basics. So this is a good book for that person who really just wants more knowledge um and then they can kind of do what they want with it. And a lot of people will say it has changed my views around food or it's really helped me to understand the importance of balanced eating or how to eat to balance blood sugars because that's really um, a common theme in the book is I really talk about blood sugar balance because I believe that's really important for so many conditions and so many reasons. The book sounds very well balanced, actually. And that's what I want my audience to get away from that. It's it's yeah. giving you ideas. So again, it's not that they're, she's prescribing to say you exactly have to do this, but you first identify where you are and what type you are. And it's important. I love the fact when you talk about obsessive eater, you mentioned they may need to work with a professional. Cause that's extremely, mm-hmm. there are a lot of, there are a lot of things that could be behind that, right? Because we talk about our relationship with food and in the recipes, almost everyone asks me for recipes and I've never put recipes in anything that I do. So the recipes yeah. in the book are also big and also the guideline behind, you know, what your goals are and what you versus, you know, your weight, your height, your goal. And I'm sorry, your weight, your height, so on and so forth. Yes. Look at what possible way you may need to eat for that. So the book is well balanced. Um, Lisa, where can everybody get a copy, by the way? Thank you. Yes. So it is sold on most major retailer retailer websites. So Amazon, Target, Barnes and Noble, Walmart. And you can also go to my website, which is nynutritiongroup.com and get a, a copy through our website and I do sign it. But um, you could also pretty much find it anywhere online. I'm not sure about in the stores, but definitely online. Perfect. Now. Let's talk about one of my favorite things to talk about, sugar. And now we, we talk about obsessive eater too. So that yeah. can even be tied into that somehow because a lot of cravings, most people crave sugar. I mean, that's really yes. just what it is, right? Oh, yeah. So what, what are some reasons for sugar cravings? Oh, yeah. I think everybody craves sugar from time to time. People are like, no, I don't like anything sweet, but yet they'll eat a full bag of like tortilla chips. Well, you're still craving refined carbs, which what do you think is happening there? It's still getting broken down into simple sugar. So I think most people are craving sugar in one way or another. And most of us have a proclivity to crave, to enjoy sweeter tasting foods. Sometimes it can be too sweet and it's like, ugh, it's enough. But that's how 
I feel about it. So sugar is our primary source of fuel. Our brain runs on sugar, not table sugar per se, but the food we eat gets broken down into glucose, which is a simple monosaccharide. And that is a simple sugar that is giving energy to our brain so that we can think and, you know, memorize things. And for it to function, our brain is running on sugar. Our body is also running on sugar for voluntary and involuntary actions. Like even our heart beating, as we're sitting here talking or listening to this podcast, your body is burning energy and mostly in the form of glucose. So there is clearly a good reason why a lot of people want it. Now there's the biological reasons that I've mentioned, and then there's emotional reasons and psychological reasons. And, you know, it can definitely be more comforting. It could definitely be, you know, something that can make us happy and we can feel like we're celebrating with something sweet and dessert, but uh, like dessert. But the thing is, is people will talk about sugar addiction, right? And I, that's a huge controversy. Um, because it's not really founded. That's not really evidence-based to say that sugar is addicting like drugs. It's a very bold statement. It's a very radical statement. Uh, but the reality is if you are addicted to sugar, you would go into your cabinet at any time of the day, pull out a bag of table sugar and just, just want to drink it. And most of the time when we feel like we're addicted to sugar, we're not eating table sugar. We're eating things that sugar is found in like chocolate and donuts and cookies and soda. And, you know, so yes, soda, the main ingredient is sugar, but still, you know, if you really were addicted to it, I think that's a fair argument, but sugar is, is something that isn't bad. It's not harmful. If you have a little sugar in your diet, in fact, the American Heart Association recommends about six teaspoons a day for women and nine for men. And this is based on evidence and how the threshold for when it can start to impact health. The U.S. Dietary Guidelines recommend no more than 10% of your total calories from sugar. So that's like 40 grams of sugar if you're eating a 2,000 calorie diet, which is like a can of soda, if you want to put it in perspective. So it's not a whole lot. So that's about the most you should have in a day. So, but it it is found in other foods, right? Like it is found in other foods. And what happens when you eat anything that has sugar or can get broken down quickly into sugar, it's increasing our blood glucose, which is increasing our hormone insulin, which is causing another cascade of events that could contribute to weight gain, increase appetite. It could also affect heart health. Um, in fact, the number one reason why why those with why people with diabetes uh, pass away or their biggest risk factor is heart disease. So it does affect our heart health. So we do want to be aware of how much added sugar we're putting in our body. Understand that the more sugar you eat, the more you might seek out and the more you might want. So it can be one of those things that it will kind of the, you know, once you start, it might be a little hard to stop, but the flip side is if you cut it completely out and say, I'm not going to eat anything with added sugar, and I'm just going to cut out all dessert and all the good stuff, that deprivation can create more desire. Just depriving yourself of it and being the only person sitting at the table that's not having cake, that's not a sustainable, happy, healthy way to live either. So there has to be a middle ground. And if you've heard, you know, clearly, you know, just hearing me talk already, you know that I'm all about the balance and a healthy relationship with food. So I believe there's a, a middle ground that you can reach with this. 
And the, the quick shift is a big issue from the biological standpoint as well, because if you've been, if you've eaten a lot of carbs or a lot of sugar over time and your body might have more amylase than it maybe need to, and then you try to say, okay, I'm just going to cut out sugar and then start eating more fat and more protein. You may not have enough gut enzymes to break down fat and protein well. And at the same time, you may, you, your body may be lacking because it's so used to using carbs or sugar for energy that guess what? You start to have headaches. You yeah. Have, you don't have a lot of energy. A lot of things can happen yeah. if you just move from one end of the spectrum to the next, right? Great. Now, with understanding that piece, as someone says, you know what? I want to start limiting how much sugar that I get yeah. in my diet. So, yes. but one of the things that most people don't recognize is there are a lot of mystery words or hidden words yeah. for sugar. So how do we identify those? Oh yeah. It can, it can be found in a lot of things. And for good reason, again, it does make, t- make food taste better. It makes it more palatable. If we enjoy what we're eating, we'll want to go back and buy it again. Or we'll want to come back to that restaurant because it tastes good. So you can definitely see it in a lot of a lot of popular food products and hidden in the ingredient list. Like it might not just say sugar. Sometimes it literally will just say sugar. But there's other terms. You might see fructose, high fructose corn syrup is one of the additives that we I would say if you're gonna really limit anything and avoid added sugar in any form, that's the form I would most avoid because it can be direct. Ooh. Sorry about that. My microphone fell. It's so excited. It was. It can directly contribute to to chronic conditions like fatty liver, and it can actually. There's studies showing that it can increase your appetite. So I would be most cautious about the high fructose corn syrup. I'm saying it's bad if you give your kid like it's in sometimes in ketchup and we give it to our. It's not like going to kill anybody, but that's the form. Um, so syrups. You might see corn, just high corn syrup in there, not high fructose corn syrup, but corn syrup. You might see dextrose. Uh, I think I mentioned glucose. You might see cane sugar, which has the word sugar. So you'll probably know that, but a couple things to know first is that the higher, or let's put it this way, the lower it is on the ingredient list, the less it's in there, the less the food contains. So if it's the first ingredient, it's one of the most abundant ingredients. If it's one of the last ingredients, it's the least of the ingredients in there. It's a very small negligible amount, but you could also just look at the at the nutrition facts and see how much total sugar is in there. And that's another way to do it. You don't necessarily have to worry so much. Like if you see a little sugar in the ingredients, but then you scroll your eyes up and there's only four grams of added sugar in a serving size, that's like a cup. That's not a lot. That's pretty insignificant, especially when we're saying you can have like six teaspoons in a day for females. If you want to be cautious, that's even a, a stricter way to look at it. Um, and a teaspoon has five grams. So that's not even a teaspoon. Okay. It's not even like one sixth of how much in a day. So you could look at the added, and now you're going to see more with the nutrition facts show if there's added sugar. So you'll see it under carbs. Under carbs, you'll see a section for fiber if there's fiber in there. If not, you won't see that. Um, sugar. And then usually under that, you'll see added sugar. It's not in everything, but I, it's, you will see it in a lot of, a lot of things now. So you could just pay attention to that. I would say anything with more than like five to six grams of added sugar. And you know, that's probably not your only added sugar source for the day is cutting it close. You might want to limit it at that, especially again, if you know, you might, it might be, you know, come up in like, you might put some creamer and sugar in your coffee or a sweetened creamer in your coffee. And you might, 
you know, have a, a sweetened salad dressings can contain sugar. I mean, it really, your yogurt might have a little sugar. It has natural sugar, but it could also have a little added sugar. You have tea and you put a little honey. That's some more added sugar in your day. Um, so it can add up. Um, you have a piece of chocolate and there's more there. So, you know, what I usually recommend to a lot of my patients, especially is the first step is if you're concerned and you're like, I am clueless, I have no idea what I'm eating and what I'm putting in my body, which I think most people have a general idea, but we have busy lives and we're not being mindful all the time. There's a lot of mindless eating. There's a lot of eating with abandon and not realizing what we're putting in our body or just not knowing like we eat at restaurants. We don't know. There doesn't come with a food label. Sometimes it does, but usually not. So what you could do is download a, a, a food tracker app. There's a lot of popular ones. I don't have any affiliations with this companies, but I'll just recommend there's my fitness pal, there's chronometer, there's lose it. Are they a hundred percent accurate? Definitely not. But are they going to give you a better idea of what's going on? Absolutely. Download that, fill it out for just a few days. I would even say like two or three days during the week and one day on the weekend, because most of us are eating is a little different on the weekend. And then you could start to just take notice. And it really helps so much with awareness. And then you can also see, oh, wow, I'm not getting enough vegetables. Oh, wow, I'm not getting enough protein. So it could also show you gaps and what you could be eating more of. And that's always way more effective. So even if you're like, I know I eat too much sugar and I want to cut it down, I still believe it's better to focus on what to add in versus what to take out. It's a I much agree. healthier mindset. Yeah, I agree. And one thing that I've told pretty much all my clients is, especially if you're going to eat something that has uh, carbs, is eat in a balanced way, right? So make your meal protein centric, yeah. have some greens for a healthy fiber. And then uh, add, add some, uh, then you can eat your carbs, right? Because the, the if you eat your meat, let's say meat, for example, which comes with fat and comes with protein, yes. and then you have your veg, veggies or healthy carbs, that can slow down your blood sugar significantly. I mean, like so evidence shows 80 to 85%. I've had my clients wear a CGM and they will see the difference when they eat a complete meal versus if you were just to eat, eat or drink that uh, whatever with high fructose corn, yeah. corn syrups or whatever yes. by itself, it goes straight to your bloodstream. So yeah. just consider not even if you don't have to take it out, just structure the way you change your structure. Yeah. I had a client one time that told me she's an older lady and she's like, I like my soup and crackers. I'm like, okay, that's not no, no, you gotta stop. I'm not saying you should stop the the, the, the soup and crackers, but you gotta eat a complete meal before you have that, maybe as a side, so your body can process it a whole lot better. Just change the structure around. And then with the sugars, and I'll put this on my Instagram. I've, I've mentioned this, where's ending OSC syrups or just sugar? Just if, if you see those, just kind of realize, boom. Yeah. You know, added sugar. sugar. Just think mm -hmm. about that. And with that being said, we're coming up on two more questions. But I want to tell my audience about one of my favorite companies, the Amino Co. See, they have Heal, which is one of my favorite products. It's 100% science-backed essential amino acid formulation designed to reduce recovery times and improve physical function by accelerating muscle repair while helping you to maintain a healthy inflammatory response. Heal has a combination of creatine, whey protein concentrate, and essential amino acids. And I drink it used mostly as an intro workout. So when I'm about 40, 45 minutes in my workout to feed my muscles 
as I'm training. I absolutely love it. It helps me to bang through the second half of my workout. If you haven't used an intro workout in your training, you don't know what you're missing. A recent clinical trial compared one and two scoop amounts of heel with high quality whey protein. The net balance whole protein synthesis were measured and the response to heel was found to be three times larger than whey on a gram to gram basis. And one of the things I really love about Heal is that they have all natural flavors as well, which are the ones that I really use, to be honest, because they're better for your gut. And you know how much I, I preach gut health. I've had my clients who's tried whey protein and they cannot drink any kind of every any kind of protein they drink, not even just whey, messes up their stomach. They drink Heal, they don't have an issue and they just fall in love with it. So the website is aminoco.com Zico Health, and it gives you 30% off all the amino-based products heal and also perform, which I drink and I've talked about on my show as well. And I'll make sure that the website is in the description of the episode. And with that being said, we're getting on to the next question. Should we cut out gluten and meat to lose weight? That is a good question. And this is what I would say. When people do elimination diets and they cut out any specific food group and they lose weight, it's likely because you're cutting down on calories, number one. Somehow this has led you to eat less calories, which we know is a requirement to lose body fat. We need a calorie deficit. And number two, cutting out gluten and losing weight could just be that you've cut up pizza and you've cut out a lot of refined flour bread and you've cut out your cookies and you've cut out, and yes, there are gluten-free of all of that. And eating gluten-free doesn't necessarily mean low calorie and low fat, but people that do lose weight, that is usually why. Okay. And so there are some people that are sensitive to gluten. There are, and there's actually a condition called non-celiac gluten sensitivity, where you might not have celiac disease, which is a really it becomes really dangerous to eat gluten. It's a really bad gluten intolerance. Um, So you can have a sensitivity to it, but sensitivities, yes, they can affect metabolism and hormones and contribute to weight gain, but it's not so often. And it's not that that noticeable or significant. Uh, A lot of times sensitivities are just going to contribute to autoimmune conditions or digestion issues or skin issues. So I don't think anybody that gluten is the reason that people are, are over fat. I think it's gluten is uh, something that people don't tolerate well, but I don't believe it's the same as, you know, it's because it's, it affects people's weight as much as it's uh, portrayed meat. I also feel the same way. I think there are people that actually benefit from eating higher protein diets and feel better eating diets that have meat. And it depends on the type of meat because you can have some really good grass-fed organic beef that's full of iron and B vitamins and zinc. And it's a complete source of protein with all nine essential amino acids and it's beautiful and keeps you full. Um, And that can be really helpful. And some people, when they don't eat enough protein, in general, they find that they're actually hungrier and craving more sugar and carbs. And it actually is harder to keep calories down. So that's just another side note. So, but plant-based diet, which doesn't have to be fully plant-based. A plant-based diet could be mostly plants. So it doesn't have to be all plants like a vegan diet is 
can be beneficial for a lot of reasons. But like I've been saying, if it's not something that fits your lifestyle, if it's not enjoyable and sustainable and easy, you're not going to stick with it. You're just not going to, you're not going to keep doing it. And there's no point. If you like meat, eat meat, but pick certain types of meat and cuts of meat that are lower in saturated fat, that are leaner. And if you can, because not everybody has this luxury because it is a little more expensive, go for the grass-fed and the organic cuts because they tend to have less saturated fat. Some of them have more omega-3 um, and they also have less antibiotics and these other things, which again, are not horrible. But if you can reduce the amount that you're getting in your body and the exposure, then that is better and it is ideal. So I Picking a food and saying, I'm going to take that out. If you lose weight from that, most likely it's because you've just created a calorie deficit. A lot of people don't realize that, but that's definitely true, which leads me to the hack of the episode. Yes. Your favorite healthy eating hack. Go ahead and tell yeah. us about it, Elisa. For sure. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you two and I'm just going to almost like piggyback off of what I just said. Protein is the thing that I feel like people struggle with the most when it comes to meals. It's the hardest. It takes the longest. It's the most annoying for a lot of people. And that's what leads people to throw their hands up in the air and just order seamless, which, you know, we're in New York. So seamless is very big here. Um, so what I usually recommend is planning your meals for the week around the protein. Pick a different protein for every night of the week. So Monday, you're going to do chicken breast and Tuesday, you're going to do salmon and Wednesday, you'll do shrimp and Thursday, you'll do ground turkey, and maybe Friday you'll do tofu and do a plant-based meal and just have that one staple and you could rotate it every so often and then just pick up a new vegetable and pick up a new grain or starch, starchy vegetable, like a potato. And just by starting with the protein and having a few go-to options, you get more variety with the way you want to put together the veggie and the starch. It makes things so much easier and it ensures you have a healthy balanced meal at the same time. So that's something that I recommend and people find it really helpful because they get overwhelmed with, I want a meal prep, but I don't know where to start and I don't know what to buy and I don't know what recipes. Make it, keep it simple. You know, I believe that you should enjoy and look forward to what you eat, but if you overcomplicate it, it's just not going to happen. And you're going to end up with a fridge full of food that you get, that gets thrown away at the end of the week. And so that leads me to my second hack, which is smoothies. I love smoothies, but not all smoothies are created equally. Some can be full of sugar, right? Not that it's bad because most of the time it's natural sugar, but that doesn't keep us full necessarily. And it does cause more of like a roller coaster with blood sugar. But when you have a smoothie with protein, some type of vegetable, which often gets overlooked. So like zucchini actually goes really well in a smoothie, spinach, kale, cauliflower, even frozen broccoli. Believe it or not, I know people are going to be grossed out by that, but you need to taste it. It's like ice. You're just putting frozen vegetables in there. And any vegetables that you know are going to go bad in your fridge, probably with the exception of like tomatoes and onions, because I don't know. I've never tried it. It might be good at a smoothie, but recommending that, but any vegetables that are carrots can go in there and just throw it into a smoothie with one of your favorite protein powders. Or if you're not a protein powder person, you could do a yogurt for the Greek yogurt for the protein and a fruit to sweeten it. So I love berries, especially organic berries. I keep, I buy frozen berries because they go bad pretty quickly, especially now in the winter, they're not really seasonal here. So berries are full of antioxidants and fiber and they're one of the leading sources of fiber in the fruit family. So I'm a big fan of berries, good for our memory and good for uh, fending off disease. And they're very cardio protective and then follow it with a fat. Now that's also really important because the fat is what, what's going to give it staying power. So avocados, 
I do, I eat almost half an avocado a day. Avocados are not for everybody, but I believe that they are a powerhouse or I know they're a powerhouse of nutrients. Um, so like half an avocado or a third of an avocado, depending on your calorie needs for the day. Um, or you could also do chia seeds, which are full of fiber and other good stuff for you. Flax seeds, which are very similar. Um, they also have lignans, which are really good for like fighting off breast cancer. And there's just so many benefits in flax seeds and lignans in flax seeds. And then, um, or you could put an avocado or avocado oil or a nut butter, which some people like that best, like a peanut butter, almond butter, and you blend it up and it's great as a quick breakfast or lunch. And it can help with just like, I have all this produce. I don't know if I'm going to get rid of it or be able to cook it. Just throw it into a smoothie and that way you don't have to waste anything. There we go. Two fantastic halves. I can definitely speak about the protein piece because I'm, I eat yeah. a very high protein diet, at least 200 grams a day. Yeah, and that is high. That's good. Yeah. We were talking before the interview about when I went to New York and how my diet was completely different. I, I'm one of those people, I would say that don't crave sugars. If I could eat mm -hmm. a carnivore diet for the rest of my life, just meat and vegetables, I would love it. I mean, I, mm -hmm. that's what my body really loves, what my body really craves. However, I don't believe in keeping my body in ketosis all the time. I think that I do need carbs. It's an important macronutrient. So I do cycle in my carbs as needed, but I'm really I'm like a fat and protein person. You put a steak in front of me and that's, that's the end of the game. But uh, most people don't eat enough protein, right? And then, yep. so then they don't get enough antioxidants like you talk about and so on yeah. and so forth. But yeah. with that being said, we finished up with interview Lisa, giving us some fantastic information. So again, let my audience know how can they learn more about your work and get a copy of your book. Thank you. Yes. So my website is nynutritiongroup.com. We are a, it, the practice is, consists of uh, all registered dietitians who offer one-on-one -on -one counseling. We accept most major health insurance plans. We have virtual and in-person sessions, which is great. You could also get, which is convenient. Uh, you could also get a copy of my book on the website, the core three healthy eating plan, or you can find it on most major retailers like Amazon, Barnes and Noble Target. And you can also find me on social. I'm most active on Instagram at Lisa M nutrition. Perfect. And our contact information and the website to the group will be in the show notes and to make it easy because, you know, I'm just nice like that, right? I'm going to make the show notes, zikahealth.com slash NY Nutrition Group. And with that being said, thank you, Lisa. Thank you for listening. And I'm out for today, fam. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.